The reading this morning is from John 14, verses 15 to 31, and that is on page 1082 in the Pew Bibles. John 14, starting at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father, and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Good line, isn't it? Um, I will not say much more to you. Then he bangs on for another four or five chapters. I'm <laughs> pleased he didn't say too much more. Um, I've been conscious this week of, um, I'm very thankful um, to people praying for my preparation. Uh, Derek and Marlene, my dear friends, thank you for your prayers. Um, and I've been struck that that's not a habit I do. Um, so for our preachers, let me encourage all of us to be praying for them because God doesn't give us the gift of prayer to waste our time. He uses our prayers and it's certainly um, a joy to receive them in the struggle of prep. So let me lead us in a prayer now uh, before we get started. Father, you are so wonderfully generous. 
Father, you give us the gift of prayer. Thank you for uh, the prayers for this morning. Uh, Father, you give us your Son. You give us your Spirit. Uh, Father, uh, the Spirit uh, leads us into all truth. The Spirit comforts the uh, downcast, the heavy laden. Uh, The Spirit nudges and prods uh, the complacent. Uh, He does much work. And we pray simply that you would send him now to transform us as people, uh, to make us more like your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, of course, there's only been one story in the news uh, this week worthy of our attention. That's the wrong, sorry, Sam, that's wrong. That's the one, (laughs) of course. So picture the scene. 8.50 p.m. on Tuesday evening in Liverpool, and exactly 24 hours later, uh, 8.50 p.m. in the city of Amsterdam. A small room, 11 men, heads bowed, utterly dejected. And on both occasions, there's a man in the middle of them saying, come on, fellas, we can do it. Just three goals in 45 minutes against the best opposition in the world. We can do it. And of course, wonderfully, we know they did. Uh, Tottenham, Liverpool, Champions League final uh, against all the odds. Uh, It's on the 1st of June, uh, the same day as my nephew's wedding. (laughs) Greg is a big Tottenham boy. Both my brothers are Tottenham season tickets. Uh, The WhatsApp family group has been in meltdown. (laughs) I can tell you that um, there's been talks about moving it to White Hart Lane. There's been talks about... uh, There is a big screen ordered. So, um, well, at least the bride is going to have something to remember her wedding day for, isn't she? (laughs) So come with me to another small room, uh, an upper room, slightly further away in place and time. Again, there are 11 men. Uh, There were 12, but one has left into the night. And again, they're utterly dejected, staring loss in the face. It's not they're going to lose a football match, but no. Uh, Their manager, uh, the one on whom they've staked their all the one on whom for the last three years they have watched in wide-eyed wonder, hung on his every word. Well, he's just dropped a bombshell. Look with me at chapter 13 uh, and verse 33. Top of the page on the left. Jesus says, My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. Imagine the young couple uh, happily married for three years until out the blue one day, husband turns to his blissful bride and says, I'm leaving. That's the kind of emotional intensity of these verses here. As Jesus tells his 11 friends that they're about to lose what I guess they've started to take for granted, uh, his daily physical presence, their security and joy evaporates uh, to be replaced by doubt and fear and questions. First up, Peter. 
Lord, where? Then Thomas. Lord, how? Philip. Lord, show. And finally, Judas. Lord, why? What do you and I need in the face of great loss? Well, for some of us today, that question is very real. For others, uh, perhaps it's something we've known in the past. But sure, for all of us, uh, the loss of loved ones will be our story too. What do we need as we live in this troubled world, uh, full of our own uh, doubt and fear and questions? Well, I guess what we need is what the, exactly the same as what those 11 men received that night. Not the impassioned pleas of a football manager uh, who doesn't know how the game's going to end but can only hope. No. Uh, the calm, reassuring, life-giving words of the most loving man who's ever lived, uh, who knows the future because he's co-written the script. Turn back with me to... Um, Back over the page, uh, verse 19, chapter 13. Uh, In the business of the, uh, just as Jesus comes to betray, uh, Judas comes to betray, Jesus Jesus tells his friends, uh, I'm telling you now before it happens, so when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Back over the page, uh, 14, at 29, we've got exactly the same. Uh, I've told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Can you see what Jesus wants for us? He wants us to have a trust in him, a faith that is absolutely certain that is cast iron, that pushes out any doubt. Uh, I did a Christianity Explore course uh, with some French people three years ago. They came back for tea uh, last summer, which was lovely. But the thing I remember about doing that course with them was I was struck how we can dress it up as being sort of a, a godly thing, a humble thing, to sort of say, oh, you know, well, I think this is the way, I think this is certain, but... um, you know, can't be absolutely cast iron sure. And I realized that here, Jesus wants us to be cast iron sure that he is who he is, that he is trustworthy, worth, worthy of building our lives on. And what we're going to see this morning uh, is rather than be impoverished by their loss, by Jesus' leaving, staggeringly, the disciples are going to get Jesus back even closer as he promises to make his home with them, to indwell them by his spirit. And this greater closeness, what's the means? Well, it comes through the ordinary thing of taking Jesus at his word, obedience which demonstrates genuine love for him. And wonderfully, their story can be our story. None of us have known Jesus' physical presence with us, 
But that's okay because we can know something better. We can know and enjoy him even closer than that, as we'll see this morning. So two simple points uh, on the back of our service sheets. Uh, We've got the ordinary thing we're to do and the extraordinary thing that Jesus does. And as I was preparing, I was a bit bothered in uh, what order I should put these two. Because putting what we're to do before what Jesus does suggests that the second is conditional on the first. So we've got to do our bit, we've got to be good in order for God to do his bit, in order for God to act and give. But be clear, wonderfully, that's not the gospel that we've received. We've received the gospel always only as a gift. It's a gospel of grace, grace getting what we don't deserve. So for simplicity's sake, we've got two points in order. Uh, In reality, um, they're completely interwoven. So firstly then, the ordinary thing we're to do, uh, we're to take Jesus at his word, to delight, to obey his word. So verse uh, 15, chapter 14, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. You getting the point? Verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Well, we can't miss it, can we? Uh, Four times, three in the positive, one in the negative. Jesus says love for him, indeed love for God the Father, uh, will be shown in what we do with Jesus' words. Will we keep them? Will we obey them? Well, we've got to do some work because if you're anything like me, when I read this, um, if you love me, keep my commands, then immediately it grates because it's not optional. The word here is command and command is the word of the sergeant major and the sergeant major is the one who Uh, gets you to do things that you maybe don't want to do. And I'm really not good at that. None of us are good at that, are we? We as people do not like being told what to do. Uh, We've taken it in with our mother's milk. It's the air we breathe. Uh, This is my life to do with as I choose Uh, No one is going to tell me what to do. Thank you very much. So that's the first thing. As we hear Jesus' words here, whoever we are, we we shouldn't be surprised if we find a bit of pushback. Not sure I like this. Um, Our initial response, one of resistance. So second, we've got to be clear who's asking this of us. Uh, This is Jesus, who just back over the page, chapter 13, uh, washed his friend's feet. That's uh, extraordinary. 
it doesn't happen. It's a bit like the Queen uh, getting back at home after church this morning to find the Queen in your kitchen doing your washing and ironing. And Jesus isn't a uh, do-as-I-say, not-as-I-do type of person. I had a boss like that. Uh, I once pointed out something that he told me to do that he wasn't doing, and he didn't take it uh, that well. But I found it pretty hard to take him seriously. So look with me at verse 31 of our chapter 14. Jesus says, um, I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So again, love demonstrated by obedience. What Jesus asks of us, he first and always does himself. And we know with the benefit of hindsight that these first disciples didn't have that what Jesus is talking about here is about going to the cross to die. Demonstrating not just his great love for his father in obedience to the plan, but also his great love for unworthy, self-centered, resistant rebels like you and me. I'm not the perfect son, but I know my my mum loves me very much. So anything she asks of me, I don't hesitate. It's just the natural response of love to her love for me. So if we need motivation this morning to take Jesus at his word, to keep his commands, to delight in obedience to all he says, we needn't look no further than the cross to see how he's first loved us. No no coincidence that these verses are sandwiched between uh, verse 33, uh, 34 at the top of the page, chapter 13. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Cross the page, chapter 15, verse 17. This is my command, Jesus says. Love each other. You see, Jesus is calling us here to a sacrificial love for everyone who will take him at his word and put the needs of others before their own. So in every relationship, uh, I am to set aside uh, what I want and what I need for whatever the wants and the needs are of the person in front of me. That is how Jesus calls us to live. Now, of course, that's a costly love, and I don't pretend that I uh, live and love that way as well I might. Uh, But when I do, when I do what Jesus asks of us here, well, I discover it's the beautiful way to live, the right way to live. On Friday, I spent uh, the day with my best man, John, We've been friends for over 50 years. And I was very sad to hear of his loneliness. He was bemoaning the lack of community uh, these days. Uh, From his circle of friends, 
um, at the golf club and squash club, he senses that there's no one really interested in him. So being me, what do I do? I say, John, mate, you've got to get yourself to church. Because what will he find in a church that Jesus has built? Well, we're far from perfect, but it should be a place where there is welcome and acceptance and interest in one another. As the likes of you and me do this ordinary thing that Jesus asks of us, uh, to live out his words out of great love for him. The motivation is one of love. We look at the older brother in the story of the prodigal. He was brilliant at keeping um, the commands, wasn't he, as being obedient. But he was as hard and loveless as can be. No, it is out of love that Jesus calls us to keep his commands, to keep his words. So how are we doing this morning? Well, if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, please be clear that obedience to Jesus' words is not a burdensome thing, but it's a beautiful thing. It is the very best way to live. So keep coming back. Uh, listening in, hearing and seeing the love and the life that is to be found in Jesus' commands and the joy in keeping them. And for those of us who have uh, this, who know this great privilege, uh, remember that loving uh, and Jesus and living out his words are directly related. Uh, when one wanes, the other will suffer. So when we neglect his word, uh, it's no surprise when we find ourselves becoming lazy and sloppy in the battle with temptation and the sinful nature. Uh, We find our love for Jesus grows cold. Wonderfully, God isn't a harsh judge. He gives us his word to teach us how to live. He gives us uh, one another, brothers and sisters, to remind and encourage us uh, to obedience. Um, one of my greatest joys as being part of the family at Christ Church is, is MEMS, which is a small group on a Friday morning. Uh, Fifteen or so blokes meet downstairs for an hour to open the word and to seek to hear and apply it to our lives. If you are, if you're a man, if you're a man, if you're a man, Um, and you're not in a small group, you're free at 7 o'clock on a Friday morning, we'd love to join you. But if you're not yet in a small group, pick up one of these at the back, a leaflet which can tell you a little bit about what it means. It's a great place in a small group to uh, live out our love for Jesus in obedience to his commands. Well, another great help uh, that God has kindly given us is to our next point, Uh, the extraordinary thing that Jesus does as he gives us himself in the person of his spirit. He gives us himself in the person of his spirit. Uh, Every now and then we hear heartbreaking stories in the press, don't we, of a parent or parents who have gone on holiday for a week or so Um, to leave their uh, underage child or children 
um, at home to fend for themselves. Uh, It's neglect and it's tragic. Because imagine if we had a child and we were going away and for whatever reason we couldn't take them with us. Uh, We would do our utmost to leave them in the care of those we trust, uh, close family or friends or last resort, Nanny McPhee with the DBS. So what does God the Father do with his son when he's going away? Or maybe I should be saying, what does Jesus the Son do when he's going away? And as we work, begin to get into these verses, we've got to pause because this is the point in John's Gospel when we're being introduced to what we know as the Trinity. You see, God is a family. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And every member of that family perfectly loves and relates to one another all the time. And so as we're going through now, we're being introduced to this strange thing uh, where the one God is yet three persons at the same time. It's brilliant truth, but it stretches us. It certainly does me. So hang on in there. We've got a few weeks as we get into Uh, the Godhead, the family of Father, Son, and Spirit. So as Jesus drops this bombshell, friends, I'm leaving, he encourages them to keep on doing what he's been teaching them these past years, if you love me, keep my commands, before giving them the most staggering of promises in verse 16. Look with me, if you will. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world, that means the unbelieving world, cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world, the unbelieving world, will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Verse 23. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Verse 29, I am going away and I am coming back to you. Is Jesus here talking about um, post-resurrection appearance? Yes. But probably much more, uh, what we have here is the staggering promise You see, rather than being impoverished by Jesus' leaving, uh, after his resurrection and ascension, they will get him back even closer. We will come to them, he says, and make our home with them. Uh, I'll always be thankful um, for the time. A good friend of mine, uh, Ken, he gently bit my head off when I called the Holy Spirit it. He said, it, it, 
The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is he, not it. Well, I'm sure I wasn't the first person to make that mistake. I won't be the last, because it's very easy to sort of see the Spirit as a power. But if you learn nothing else this morning, it was lovely after the 9.30 service, I turned to Mark, I said, Mark, what did you learn this morning? He said, I learned the Holy Spirit as a person. And I thought, Richard, job done. You can enjoy your lunch. So the Holy Spirit is a person. And verse 18 gives us a clue to his identity. Uh, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, this was great after 9.30 because this was the point when the theologians in the congregation came and told me I got it wrong. Because I said that the Holy Spirit is Jesus. And I thought what I should have said is what I used to teach them in Explorers, the young ones in Explorers. I slightly hesitate because Ed, who I used to lead the Explorers with, used to uh, call me a heretic. So you decide for yourselves. I used to teach them that the Holy Spirit is Jesus' invisible, because we can't see him, identical, uh, because he's just like Jesus, twin brother. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' invisible, identical twin brother. Make of that what you will. Even though Jesus the Son is going to be with his Father via the cross and the grave, resurrection and ascension, here he promises to return in the person of his Spirit. And it's good to be clear that um, it's it's a real presence. So when my dear friend Liz has a party invites me to a party, and I say, oh, Liz, I'm really sorry. I'm climbing, climbing Ben Nevis that day. Uh, what I say is, I'm sorry, Liz, uh, but I'll be with you in spirit. That's not what Jesus means here. See, I won't be physically present at the party, but Jesus will be really with the disciples when he returns in the person of his spirit just because we can't see him doesn't mean he's not present. Flick off and on a couple of pages from uh, where we are now in, in the Bible, we'll find the book of Acts. Um, it's shorthand for Acts of the Apostles. Um, or perhaps more accurately, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. As it tells of the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost... And how Jesus, through his spirit, at work in his people, the apostles, built the early church. And I love this book, even if I love it. It's my favorite book on the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus Continued. This could be the name of the book of Acts, Jesus Continued. And if we showed this book to the apostles, to the disciples, um, why the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you, they'd say... He's got a good title there. They knew Jesus beside them, but actually they would say, yeah, the spirit inside is even better than beside. Another uh, book that I've been really enjoying recently is the book of the term, Tim Jester, Enjoying God. And he starts off by saying he wants more. He wants more of God. Um, Let me read you a couple of little bits which uh, I found helpful. 
Uh, let me ask you a question. With which member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, or God the Spirit, do you have the strongest sense of a lived, experienced relationship? I'm not asking what you, should be, what you think should be the case. I'm asking you to reflect on your own experience. Uh, over the past few years, I've taken every opportunity to ask this question to lots of people in many places and among different church traditions. And I've taken his example up. I've started asking people. So I was with Sharita in the week with a group of people. I asked them the same question. Which members of the Trinity? And it was brilliant just for stretching my understanding. Um, another little bit I liked was, um, do you want more of God? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Or let me, let's put the question like this. Do you like God? I like books like that. So don't buy it just because it's book of the term. Uh, only buy it if you're going to read it. And maybe say to a friend, I want to read that book. Uh, why don't we both buy it, read a few chapters, and then stop and see how we're getting on with it. So enjoying God, book of the term. Have you got it? I like that book. Did that come across? Sarah's nodding. Well, we're drawing to a close. Uh, the original word for the Holy Spirit is paraclete, meaning one who draws alongside to help. Uh, I was pulled off different translations of the Bible in the week to see how this word uh, is translated. And here in John 14, we've got advocate. That's a legal term for someone who uh, speaks in court on behalf of someone else. Uh, other versions were counsellor comforter, helper. And they're all really useful uh, names to help us to understand uh, the Holy Spirit's job. So in verse 26, we're told here, uh, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. So can you see the Spirit's job? To teach all things to remind you of everything Jesus has said. These disciples, these apostles, were a special case. They had unique responsibilities. But for all of us, the same is true. We need the Holy Spirit to bring God's word to life, to help us to know Jesus in the first place, and to teach us to grow, to love his commands, and to discover of the beautiful thing it is to love them out. Well, in a moment, we're going to share bread and wine together as we remember uh, the extraordinary self-giving love that Jesus shows us from the cross. But as we've been learning this morning, this self-giving love goes further, doesn't it? I mean, if you were God... Uh, would you entrust your, the care uh, of your most treasured possession, your son, by his spirit, uh, to the likes of uh, Richard Newman, Basil Jackson, Nick Golvin? It's madness, isn't it? Extraordinary, knowing what I am like inside. But yet... It is a wonderfully reckless love that we desperately need as he starts his slow work inside of each of us, slowly transforming us uh, through obedience to Jesus' words.
to help us to begin to live and to love like Jesus. Let me lead us in a prayer. Uh, Father God, you've given us your Son, you've given us your Spirit. Uh, Your Spirit has come and made a home in those who would uh, receive and love your Son. Uh, Father, we praise you for your gifts to us. Uh, We are unworthy people. Uh, Help us, Father, to live uh, in step with the Spirit please and honour you in all we do. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.